It is Cyhawk Week as one of the greatest rivalries in college football renews on Saturday in Iowa City. And uh, we talk Hawkeyes and Cyclones coming up here for the next 60 minutes. Comments and questions, of course, we will take in the chat. Corey Brad is here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Of course, join him each and every day at uh, from the Hawkeye of the Storm for the latest on Iowa football coverage and here every Tuesday with us. Corey, how are you? Doing good, Mark. Just got, literally got an alert as you were talking that Travis Kelsey, they believe his ACL is intact. So that's good news. Apparently he had a little bit of a mishap and there was some fear that maybe it was serious. But uh, anyways, not Iowa related, so uh, we can we can shift our attentions. <laughs> well, I was not aware of his issue there, his injury issue. I would think that there would be some semblance of Kansas City Chiefs fans in Iowa, possibly. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah there are. Although the reason I, I'm trying to figure out what this little shining thing is, does it look like it's I'm like I've got a beam of? I don't even know what's happening with my. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's, that's a, gives a little flair to the broadcast here. I like. I, I that. guess so. I guess so. Yeah, that's it's Cyhawk Week, so I think you want to keep that just like that. <laughs> okay, whatever I did, I don't know yeah, what I it was. You need to do that. Just don't mess with that. Yeah, that's right. So, All right. I know we've got Levi. Uh, a wide right natty light that's going to he's going to be jumping all of us here in a second but uh what do you want to talk about with utah state because if anybody missed last night i called into your show at like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning because i had nothing better to do right you know sleeping of course is not an option at 3 a.m i guess and i called in and just bantered with you briefly about utah state and you know we've kind of turned the page now but I, you and i have not really had a chance to address it on this channel so how, how do you want to sum up Saturday's game. Well, I want you to sum up Saturday's game for me uh, because I typically almost always am able to, even if I didn't watch the game, to be able to get to the collection of extended highlights. I did not today. I've been booked since 10 a.m. So I didn't see much of anything. I'm taking from our conversation yesterday is that the offense started well, very much efficient, in sync, Cade McNamara looking good, everyone looking good. And then it they just kind of got comfortable, had a couple score lead, and the offense kind of stagnated after that. Yeah, I don't know that got I don't know that it's fair to say that the offense just got comfortable. I I, <laughs> I mean, given the history of Brian Ferentz led offenses, I, I would I would tend to think that the offense just sputtered and stalled. Um Kirk repeated it again today in his uh, Tuesday availability that he really does think the lack of game film on Utah state and their new DC that had a lot, to, you know, it's just hard to run the football. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that. Cause like I, I, I see the, a person's perspective that says, Hey, this is a G five school. You ought to be able to go up there with no game film, dominate up front physically and run the ball for you know, 150 yards. And they didn't even hit the 100 yard mark. So there are concerns there, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm concerned to an extent. I do have an odd sense of confidence heading into this game on Saturday. And I'm laughing because I think the last time I've said that on this show was 20, the 2021 Big Ten Championship game. And I got ripped by a bunch of Michigan fans for that. But I just feel like that Saturday's game was still not, I just have more, I have more faith in personnel with this team and, and Saturday's result did not shake my confidence or trust in that. And I, I think fans 
need to be patient. There's a lot of negativity already. Um, and I understand it. 24 points, people expected more, especially when you score 14 in the first two possessions, right? <laughs> um, I had somebody say, ah, you know, they gave up 300 yards to a G5 program. They've never done that, or they don't ever do that. Well, that, that first of all, that's not that much. Second of all, uh, rarely do they remove their starting quarterback for almost the entire fourth quarter, but they did because Kate is nursing that quad injury and Deacon couldn't move the ball with that offense. So, of course, that gave the defense more opportunities to move and, and gain yardage. I, I, I am very, very hesitant to push the panic button. We'll see about the run game this Saturday. Iowa State traditionally um, does pretty well against the run, especially against Iowa's run. I mean, not like Iowa runs the ball great against anybody, frankly. But I think they'll run the ball better this weekend. I think they'll go over 100 yards, which isn't saying a ton, but that's saying a lot considering they couldn't even hit 100 against a G5 school at home. I think they'll go over 100 yards against Iowa State this weekend, and I think they win comfortably. Uh, the only other couple things I want to hit on would be, was there anything defensively that would cause any type of concern? I know the viewer said 300 yards of total offense by a G5 team, but realistically, is there anything of concern defensively? No. Okay. I didn't think not, so. Not really. I mean, Nick Jackson got isolated, uh, you know, star linebacker transferred in from Virginia. They really spread things out and he got isolated on some receivers. And I, I, Iowa was not expecting that. And, you know, he's not necessarily that type of a linebacker. Um, they'll make adjustments to that stuff. There was people during the postgame show with myself and coach Patterson that were complaining about Iowa not getting home with sacks. They had one sack on the day. Utah State's really well coached. I mean, I'm just saying Blake Anderson, I believe he is one of the up-and-comers in the game. And they came with clearly the mindset of we're going to get the ball out of the pocket quickly because we understand the defensive line is probably Iowa's strength. And Cooper Lagab basically did not hold the ball long enough to be sacked at any point besides the one play. And I think it was – I can't remember if it was Joe – who it was that got home. But Joe Evans was in the backfield a lot, and they'll be fine. I just I think they'll be fine. The the biggest question mark I still have with the defense right now is at right corner because shortly before uh, the game began, we got word that Jamari Harris is one of the players that is facing a suspension due to the betting stuff. He will be back next week against Western Michigan, just a two-game suspension for Jamari. But that obviously affects him against Iowa State, and it just makes me think back to 2019 when Iowa was down a corner and DJ Johnson, who ended up transferring to Purdue started for the first time and Iowa state burned him on a double pass. Uh, I would not be shocked if they, I, th I think it'd be criminal if they didn't try to attack Deshaun Lee, who's starting opposite uh, Cooper DeGene. I thought Deshaun held his own on Saturday, but again, uh, difference between power five athletes and Utah state athletes. Uh, you got to attack him that side of the field. Um, now, my big question is, can they can they spread Iowa out? Do they have the athletes that they've had in the past to spread Iowa out enough to where you feel comfortable? Because, I mean, here's the deal. Uh, I didn't watch all that Northern Iowa game, and I know Levi will be able to give some insight on that. But Iowa State didn't. Like, you look at their yardage numbers, they, they had less total yards than Iowa did against Northern Iowa. Um, they had, I know, a pick six, had a couple intercept, a couple turnovers in the game. Um, which obviously is good. Jeremiah Cooper was sounds like he was really good at safety, but I'm not convinced that this is going to be that Iowa State has any chance of scoring, you know, 20 plus points in Iowa. I just first of all, when's the last time that's happened? 2017, when the last time they've scored more than 20 on Iowa. 
Um, now you could argue the same thing for Iowa's sake that I was going to have a hard time scoring 20 plus, but I, I still think they're going to figure out a way to run the ball better. I wonder, uh, with as much 13 and even 14 personnel as we saw on Saturday against Utah state, I, I know Iowa state's defensive backfield is deep, but I, I just wonder what, what they're going to do to defend that plethora of bodies they just wear you down. I, I just see Iowa wearing a lot of teams down offensively. Even they're not going to score a ton of points, but they are going to wear you down on, defensively, and they're going to be really hard to to defend near the goal line. Um, so we'll see. I have, I have question marks at corner, and there's still question marks with the run game. But I was encouraged by the pass protection. Per, encouraged for the most part by the passing game. Still not enough wide receiver involvement. But I'm still relatively positive heading into this week. And I, I, like I say, I think they win. And I don't know the last time I've said I think they win comfortably. Comfortably does not mean, you know, 20. But they win by 20. But I think they win by a touchdown or more. Um, I don't think it comes down to a final field goal. And that's saying a lot because this series has oftentimes come down to, you know, three or four points. Comfortably in Iowa terms. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, comfortably in Iowa. I don't consider that comfortably at all. But uh, yeah, uh, I I get the context. Yeah, I want to hit you up with two players, and then we'll get to Levi. Okay, Jay Higgins is a player that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that you saw um, during the off season as as a good player, a guy that would start or be a um, complimentary piece, but not an impact emerging star in the defense. Uh, then you certainly picked up on some comments that Kirk Ferentz said concerning his development, and then he was selected to appear at Big Ten Media Days, and now I see that he ripped off 16 tackles, which maybe it was set up for him and everything funneled to him, but still, he was he was cleaning up, obviously. He was fabulous, and it's hard to, almost impossible to replace a guy like Jack Campbell. Um, but we've said that kind of thing before. Remember how good Josie Jewell was in 2017? Oh, yeah. Uh, and Iowa has consistently, I mean, C- Christian Kirksey, um, Anthony Hitchens, they've had really good linebackers over the last 10 years. And so I, I just, if there's anybody that's going to do it, it's going to be Jay Higgins. He's a physical linebacker. He's patient. He's a great leader. Um, I talked with Don Patterson on Saturday about the fact that he could have left. Like he was, he was stuck behind Seth Benson and uh, stuck behind Jack Campbell. And he could have went somewhere else and played. And they bring in Nick Jackson from Virginia, a bunch of acclaim, had all those tackles, all the stats in the world. He uh, not only stayed put, but he welcomed Nick Jackson into his home. They're roommates. They're best friends now. And I just think his leadership is so underrated. He was my player of the game Saturday. And like what you just said is, is so thoughtful because we did look at linebacker as a potential weakness with this defense heading into the year because they lost Campbell and Benson. And yet even just watching week one, we don't want to overreact to week one. I'm guessing he'll end up being one of Iowa's two or three best defensive players at the end of the year. And he may be that right now. Like it may be Cooper DeGene, Jay Higgins, and then, you know, Xavier Wampa, or uh, maybe it ends up being like an Aaron Graves or a Joe Evans. But like, I think he's that good. And he was just, he was to the ball as quickly as you could think of a guy, his size. And he, you know, he stopped guys in their tracks. Um, He's going to be a good one. He, I think he already is, and um, you know, I, I we'll see what happens. I, I did again. I heard some claims about Nick Jackson, given the fact that they they uh, isolated him on receivers. That is a storyline to follow. Iowa played a ton of four two five with Sebastian Castor out there, but at one point they did bring in Kyler Fisher, 
and took out Nick Jackson. So it'll be interesting to see. You don't often see Phil mess with his top two linebackers. And even though I think he feels like Higgins and Jackson are interchangeable, I wonder if we don't see more of, if teams continue to do that, if we don't see more of, of Kyler Fisher, who's a former safety, um, come in and, and kind of be an extra, another, another DB in, in addition to Sebastian Castro. Two quick notes on the offense, and you already touched upon one. Uh, Caleb Johnson, 19 carries, 63 yards, had a long run of 21 yards. So take that away, which, of course, you can't, but just follow 18 carries, 42 yards. Otherwise, that's paltry at 3.3 yards per carry and two yards plus per carry minus the long run. Uh, I want to point everyone to a video Corey produced uh, uh, addressing the running game in particular. So check that out on from the Hawkeye of the storm where Corey specifically addresses uh, the running issues. I got to think Caleb Johnson's a top 10 running back. Uh, I ranked him fringe top 10 in the big 10 that they really need to cut him loose and get him some space Uh, on the flip side, on the flip side, Uh, I know that you're excited about the tandem of Luke Lachey and Eric all. Did they play um, and and, and were they on the field uh, on a fairly large chunk of plays? Oh, absolutely. Together. Yeah. You're talking about Lachey and all. Yes. uh, We saw, and like I say, we saw a lot of 13 and 14 personnel. Um, We saw, I'm trying to think back to the, the, uh, combo down near the goal line. They scored a touchdown. Eric all was lined up as a, as a, fullback and I know Steven Stelianos was lined up and I believe Ostringa and Lachey were all they had four four guys out there and then Hayden Large played as well who's a tight end who's been converted into a fullback um so yeah and I think they're comfortable actually going probably five or six deep at tight end so I don't know I, I the only worry I have with that is that you can get a little bit too cute you know when you look at your your group of tight ends and and Brian is you know, if he's anything, he's a tight ends guy, given the fact that he coached in the league and he coached a couple of great ones at New England. I wor- I do worry that maybe he gets a little bit too cute with that. And, you know, you get too heavy. You know, you're really limiting what you can do. And as of Saturday, we didn't see Iowa be able to dominate up front in the run game. Um, you know, Iowa, Kirk wants to be able to run the ball, even when the opponent knows you're going to run the ball and do so effectively, something Wisconsin's been able to do more years than not. Uh, in the last 10, 15 years, Iowa has not been able to do that. Now, you mentioned the difference with Caleb Johnson. He needs to hit the holes harder, faster. I don't know that he's that type of a back. He's such a big guy, and he's physically impressive at like 6'1", 6'2". I think he's like 220, 225. Kind of resembles a a slightly smaller Derrick Henry. But he does not pack the punch that Derrick Henry does. At least he hasn't shown that yet. And I think it was Don used the term glider on Saturday to – describe uh caleb and i'm not i'm not saying he can't be as good as we thought he could be Uh, i mean he's ran a lot of yards in short amount of time last year and he does have he is quick in the open he's fast in the open field but you know what what i mean when i say glider right oh yeah i I just don't know instead of hitting that hole he's searching he's looking Mm -hmm. and 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 he's losing a lot of time and a lot of yardage doing that and is it fair to say like a guy like Eric Dickerson was sort of a glider? Is that fair? Yeah. A very effective one. Very effective one. <laughs> yes. But I'm just saying my point by bringing yeah. up Eric Dickerson yeah. is you can be successful as a tailback 
with that style of run. He's not Leshawn Williams. They're different backs. I will say this. Um, the kid for Wisconsin, whose name escapes me. Uh, Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen. I, I think he's sort of that same way. We saw him struggle last year at times because even though he's huge, he, he needs space and he needs space to maintain itself. That's why I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic because, and I'm no old line expert. When I watched Saturday's game, I was there in person back on, on Monday. Uh, I saw a lot of holes that were open and then closed just short of what Iowa needed. And I just wonder, Kirk was pretty positive about the run game today. He just felt like, hey, you know, these are some, there was nothing physical really that we saw on tape. It was just little tactical things that we can clean up. I think they were pretty close. There were far less daunting, uh, egregious plays for loss. We've seen so many negative rushing plays in the last three years, the last two years specifically. I saw less of those against Utah State. And um, that, that tells me they're closer, but you know proof will be in the pudding on saturday from the hawkeye of the storm audio is available on google spotify and apple and one quick note before we bring on levi levi's thinking he keeps saying one quick note would be that uh, four-star offensive tackle nick brooks will be announcing this week yeah big big day for iowa uh, friday it sounds pretty good by all accounts i i think he's probably a hawkeye um you talk about a big dude. Iowa lost out on Caden Proctor a year ago. Nick's how big was Caden Proctor? Like six eight, three thirty. Nick Brooks right now, uh, Mark is listed at six seven three forty five. <laughs> so they got a chance. He, he moved back. He's at uh, John F. Kennedy now in Cedar Rapids. Uh, his top five, I believe, is Iowa, Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, and Florida State. And so he's basically got offers from anybody and everybody, just like Caden Proctor did. Um, you know, Michigan was in on him. Penn State offered. Uh, I don't know that Ohio State offered, but like I, I will be interesting to see if they can if they can land him and seal the deal this time. Um, he could be a great one, and and they we all know regardless of what the what the line does, they need help um, up front. It's not just a game that I regularly watch and want to see each and every year, including this Saturday. It's a conversation that I enjoy because I kick back and let these two. Go at it. Levi Stevenson, wide, bright, natty, light. Levi, what's going on today? Not too much. I uh, just uh, sitting here listening to your conversation the last 15 minutes or so. It was, it was interesting. I, um, I'm looking forward to talking about this with Corey. Why? Corey's also got great, always got very great non-inflammatory questions. Why are you looking forward <laughs> to this so much? Nah, it's, just, it's, a fun, it's always a fun one. This is always a fun week. So what, how do you feel about my comments that uh, I have considerable confidence this year that, that Iowa will probably go there and take care of business? Because that's not the, like, mm. the overwhelming consensus with Iowa fans right now is that they're concerned. And the line is, what, three, three and a half, which I expect uh, I to think be closer like to six four, I think four, I think, is what I saw it opened up at. I don't know if it's moved at all since then, but um, I mean... <laughs> I don't know because <laughs> the the problem here is so one 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 thing I did hear you mention earlier was that Iowa State didn't put up as didn't put up very many offensive yards last game. They didn't worth worth noting they only ran forty five offensive plays. Yeah. Um. So they were at but if you they're at five point six yards a play, which isn't like setting the world on fire, but it's certainly not bad. 
Um, for what they for what they were on the field, five point six yards of play is certainly fine, especially for an offense that has tons and tons of question. Um, the problem so though one is that concern might be f- running forty five plays. Yeah, it's I don't know if concern is the right word, but it's it's just like it's hard to it's hard to extrapolate just forty five plays. You know, you and I ran 60, 68 plays, I think is what it was. They ran like 20-something more plays than Iowa State. Now, that can happen when you have a pick six and stuff and a couple interceptions and stuff like that. Um, like one, the interception, the second interception was right before halftime, so Iowa State ran one play, and then it was over. So, you know, that kind of stuff can't happen. But it's just really the thing with the only ran 45 offensive plays that it's just hard to extrapolate a ton from that as far as future trends and stuff like that but we we did learn a few things last saturday about the offense so what'd you learn so right now i would say right now i would say we can say rocco started rocco beck is gonna start against again against iowa i think i don't know if the quarterback thing is a hundred percent settled but i would say right now it's it's stable as it is for a while anyways like i think like rocco's the starter pretty much um, what we did find, we've, we did find some, I think we found some clarity at running back though. Cause I don't, like you said, I don't know if you didn't get a chance to watch much of it, but Abu, Abu Sama is a dude. That guy is really, really good. There was a specific, there's a specific run, go back and watch it. It was like a 20 something yard run. He came off. They gave, they gave it to him on the outside. He ran sprinted around a couple, got around, just beat some dudes to the edge with the speed came over. Stiff to, stiff armed to do to the ground, juked another one, then stiff armed another defensive tackle to the ground, and then finally got tackled after that. I mean, like full on like Dave Montgomery type stuff. And well, he's, he's he, not going to be doing that against Jay Higgins, so <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> like he doesn't have to do that. I mean, if that if if that run is your minimum standard for running backs, then I a little bit different. There, there, there are no good running backs. <laughs> yeah, a little bit di- going up against uh, FCS sure. linebackers and Obviously. Big Ten linebackers, but. That's the, that's the type of spark you you're looking to find when you're trying to find a couple guys in your in a running back room to lean on. Runs like that are how you find it, especially in especially coming out of a true freshman like that. That was always really highly regarded. He had tons and tons of buzz around him during camp from scrimmages and things like that. That's a guy that I would say right now, like if if they were going to start leaning towards two guys, Cartavius Norton and Abu Sam would probably be the two right now. But there's others. Oh, there's three more behind him that are going to get carries. Um, but keep in mind, Abu. Not to already start conflicting with you, but keep in mind that Abu only ran six times. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like said, you, there you was, much of a they only ran forty-five plays total, and they, he split carries with like three other backs. But yeah. like I said, the carries he did have were extremely promising. I mean, he runs hard. He's got he's he's elusive. He's a tough, tough runner. We 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 thought that stuff coming out of high school, and it appears that those skills have translated to the college level, at least against an FCS opponent, a very good FCS opponent. And, you know, we're going to see if he's still young and obviously it still has a lot of really, really, really young guys on that offense. Um, but the early returns for Abu Sama are very, very promising. Um, and it was good to see Cartavis Norton get out there and run hard, too. Um, we also saw that the tight end position is should be uh, should be returning back to it on the on the way back to returning to its former glory. Um, Tyler Moore, the two the two offensive touchdowns that I was or Yeah, the two offensive touchdowns that I would say did score came from tight ends. Uh, one from Tyler Moore, who's a redshirt freshman out of Johnston, very promising young guy, and then Ben Bramer, who is a true freshman out of Nebraska. He got that straight up by taking taking the top off the defense as a tight end um, on a play action route. So, I mean, that was very promising. We heard lots and lots of stuff about him in the preseason as well, and during camp and things like that. Again, 
not a lot of snaps on offense, so it's hard to project too much. But we saw two young tight ends that made some really, really nice plays that we just you just didn't see last year because they they just the bodies just weren't in the tight end room. Wide receiver position, who no, there's nothing to take from last week. Nobody knows. It's just Jaden Higgins is appears to be the X. He's the number one guy. Jaden with Jalen Jalen Knoll in the slot. Um, beyond that, really not much to take away from last game. Just not enough. Just not enough snaps. Not enough pass attempts. Mark, here's a stat that will blow, I think blow your mind when you consider how bad Iowa's wide receiver play and lack of involvement with the wide receiving core has been in recent years. Iowa had four receptions by wide receivers on Saturday. Iowa State had five. And four of those went to Jalen Knoll for six yards. Four receptions for six yards for Jalen Knoll. The only other catch to a wide receiver was a 15-yard grab by Jaden Higgins. The tight end position is alive and well in Iowa. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I, like, but like I said, you, you're those are really small sample sizes. Like those are not statistically significant sample t- sizes. What? Well, what do you mean? What? They're not like, st- like statistical significance. That's a thing. Like you have to have a certain popular. You have to have a certain sample size for it to be considered statistically significant. That's why we have minimum snap counts. Iowa State did not run enough plays last week on an offense to be to be to make the minimum play count for um, NCAA's team offensive statistics. <laughs> You had to run 50 plays last weekend to qualify for like the yards per play statistics to show up on the NCAA website. Iowa State did not run enough plays to show up on that. It just is what it is. I mean, it's hard. You can't really control the number of plays you do, especially when you have pick sixes and long field goals and whatever else. But I mean, you're talking about six pass attempts and then trying to project that like, oh, this unit's garbage because they had six balls thrown. Well, I'm not saying they're garbage. I'm not saying they're garbage. I mean, reason I brought it up, Levi, I mean, the reason reason I brought it up is because you you know how I feel traditionally, and I'm talking, when I say traditionally, I'm talking about like the last 10 years. Wide receiver is probably the one, one of probably two spots on the field where you can almost guarantee Iowa State's better. Sure. Like every year, they're, they're, you just know they're going to be better at wide receiver. You know they're going to be better at running back. Now, um, maybe, maybe, we, maybe, and then just, the problem is back. we just don't we just don't know about receiver. We just don't know, and so um, that's what I'm saying. You don't yeah. know. That's like where's right. the edge that Iowa State's the edge had um, to stay really competitive and and have. Not that this series can't be competitive without that edge. I just think that's what yeah. has made this series. Yeah, there's great. not like a clear like a like I would say as of right now we we don't know for sure I guess, but as of right now we don't have a clearly identifiable generational talent uh, at wide receiver like we have had for most of a decade. Is there a generational talent anywhere on this team? Good question. JJ, See, Cole, I would say JJ Cole potentially. Um, he's, he's not. not he's not, not starting, starting, but he's a true freshman quarterback. <laughs> Playing against the best defense on Iowa State's schedule—that's just asking for trouble, um, especially yeah. one that forces a ton of turnovers. Um, oh, TJ Tampa, TJ Tampa is absolutely okay. a generational prospect. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm with you on that. I yeah. think right now Dominique Orange is on that is on that type of trajectory. We'll see what he we'll see how he pans out. He's only a sophomore, but what he's about on that Ham- type? Of, what about like, Ham and Bacon? <laughs> Bacon had a great he had a ga- great game on Saturday. We'll see. Iowa State played a, just a ton of people on defense. They played thirty five players on defense last weekend, including like I want to say they played like eleven or twelve linebackers. I mean they they played everybody in their grandma that was within within shouting distance of the stadium played defense for Iowa State on Saturday. So we'll yeah we'll see. I mean there's 
there's lots of really good young talent all over that side of the ball, especially like, like I said, TJ Tampa is a, he's a generational player uh, for Iowa state. I think Dominique orange can be there. There's some really good young linebackers on the roster. Jack Sadowski started as a true freshman at middle linebacker yesterday, which has very much shades of Mike Rose um, who started as a true freshman at middle linebacker and made his first official start in Kinnick stadium because the first actual start was against the South Dakota state game that got canceled due to lightning. And then, made his actual first start in, in Kinnick. But I mean, that's like I said, shade, kind of shades of Mike Rose there. The early buzz has been really good about him. So that's, you know, he's only played one game, but again, guy that has potential there. But I mean, it's, the market. It, is it, is it, it's, it's hard to like measure the quality of a roster by the number of generational players on, on a, on it because one, one, we've gotten spoiled the last seven-ish years under Matt Campbell where we've had entire rosters where most of the starting 22, you know, the starting 11 on each side of the ball was filled with like all-time great players just because I would say it's all-time great list is not that great. Um, but part of it too is like eventually as you start having more and more all-time greats, you are as you start, you have more and more good all-time or really good players. Less of them can be all-time greats just because of the quantity there. But yeah, I see what you're, I mean, like, I, I know what you're asking, though. I mean, like, right now, we have a couple easily identifiable stars, and, but on, on the defensive side, offensive side, we don't have that right now, but we're, even though we're used to seeing that under Matt Campbell, where you say, it's Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Xavier Hutchinson, or Alan Lazard, or Hakeem Butler, or whoever it is, yeah. you can point to a dude and be like, that's the dude, that, whatever. And, and that's why I'm saying, like, maybe I'm totally off on this evaluation, Mark, you tell me if I am, but when, when you're looking at programs like I, when Iowa State, that aren't bringing in four and five star talent that that obviously have to develop depth and and develop their rosters through and through when you have you know iowa has made a living not only in that development but on having year in and year out i think at least three generational guys a year right like like jack campbell generational talent uh aj epinesa generational cooper the gene generational but notice none of the players you just named play offense <laughs> Uh, okay, T- Tyler Linderbaum, generational. That that took a long yeah, time. Yeah, offensive line. Yeah, I mean, but like, like oh, okay, off, off all right. Let's just off let's, the offensive no, hold line. on a I mean, second. Let's QBs let's and skill position players. Oh, okay. See, he changes. He changes this. Well, no, I mean that's that's <laughs> we've eliminated five of the eleven players on offense by making that statement. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. Name one. Okay. Besides Tyler Linderbaum, Sam Laporta. <laughs> hey, he's not a generational player. Come he's on. A, he's he's good. He's a, he's in the hall of very good tight ends. For he's Iowa. about to start. As a tight end, as a rookie for the Lions, he's going to start as a rookie at tight end. Let's start the conversation by Anyways. understanding that the term generational is blown out of proportion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about elite. So it's understood kind of that it's truly yeah, we, not You could probably retweak it to say elite players. I'm talking about guys who are going to end up being like top two or three round draft picks. Yeah. Elite players. Good. That's that's a better word. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's use the word elite. Yeah. But... um. I just think like every, for the most part, year in and year out, Iowa always has two or three of those types of guys. And Iowa State, to me, part of, you know, perhaps they've not had the development depth that Iowa has had, you know, since uh, through and through since Campbell took over. But they have had every year they've had at least one or two of those guys. Uh, Will McDonald is a good example of that last year. Brees Hall was an example of that. Um, Montgomery was an example of that. Uh, I guess you could argue Purdy was, although he, he didn't play very well in this series. Um, he actually, he, funny enough, he, for as long as he was at Iowa State, he only played Iowa twice. 
I know you always bring that up. Which is it's it well, it's just kind of funny because he played at <laughs> Iowa State forever and he but he only actually played Iowa twice. And he lost both times. But <laughs> because of COVID, obviously, but it's also COVID, but he also but he didn't his freshman year, he didn't start until the fourth game of the season. Yeah. So is so, that the Iowa game. But my my point is like Iowa has those guys this year, right? I mean they do. Cooper Jean is that type of a guy this year. Um you look at offense. Okay, okay. I'll give you Tampa. I'll give you Tampa. Tampa. <laughs> right. Cooper De- that's, a, that's a big one. <laughs> Cooper DeGene. I think Jay Higgins might end up being that guy. And Xavier Wampa is a five-star coming out of high school. And we'll see if he's that guy. But, I mean, I think he's got a chance to be that guy. I just there's, there's a, there, I mean, both rosters have tons of yeah. tons of players that are like, they've got a chance to be that guy. Iowa State has, a, has Xavier Wampa. Well, not a five-star. Well, that's but... what I'm saying. Like... You get well, one five star. Now you're getting cocky about it. No, I'm just saying. That, <laughs> just saying it's a little. I'm just saying it's a little. Well, no, but the different. point. The, the really the we're kind of getting into the weeds. And here. and because none of this really affects what happens on Saturday. Luke, Luke, it doesn't. But, Luke Lachey, nah, Eric. Okay, Luke Lachey, I mean, Eric. All that the, tandem. The, the, the thing about these teams are is they're both functionally identical teams. <laughs> is that they are pretty pretty horrible on offense. They've got a couple good tight ends. They've got some promising promising things at running back. They're hoping to find something at quarterback. Who knows? And the defenses are outrageously good. How do that you? Is, know, I'm just curious. Hold on a second. I, I have no problem with your evaluation. How do you say, really, for either team, especially a team that you don't follow, how do you say that I was really horrible on offense? I would respect that comment if you could say they have been really horrible on offense. We've had one game. Corey, just tell me, Corey, explain sorry, that to me. How you can say, <laughs> well, really, we know that they're really horrible on offense. So let's they just go are. to the next I mean, topic. <laughs> Based the on offensive what? coordinator has a clause built into his contract the to keep his job for 25 points a game, okay, which is dog shit point totals. And that's all he has to do to make his job. And right now, he's not on pace to get it. The offensive <laughs> through one game, buddy oh, boy. Well, oh, now, well, now small sample sizes matter. <laughs> Well, no, I'm simply stating they, they still won by double figures. They scored 24 points. I mean, and if they scored 24 the, the points, the minimum for double figures. Look, I'm simply saying we don't know based on this one game as a whole that the offense is terrible. I think and we that's don't just, know based on one game that Iowa State's offense is bad. I never said they were. I never I said know, they but were. Right now, the the data points we have is that they're not great. They, they there's there's talent on both of them that could be good. Right now, if you were to ask 99% of people. Both offenses are probably well below average. They're hoping to be average. Yeah, but again, this is like asking the AP voters to give you preseason polls that just what you think is going to happen <laughs> well, yeah. not based on any cri- actual criteria. Or where I mean, we're on a can I split talk, the talking game. We're can I split I mean. the difference on this one because yeah. Corey is holding to the letter of the law that this year can only be judged by the results and the performance on the field of this year, and there's certain validity to that. Um, Levi, it seems like you're being a little bit more nuanced to say, you know, there are certain programs across the country. We know who they are. And until proven otherwise, we pretty much know who they are. And even if somebody goes out like Ohio state and only scores 23 points, uh, let, let's see this a few more times, or we could serve up a number of examples because there's a lot of belief there that they are who they are until, well, I'm just let, let's look look at the, let's let's take a look at the facts. Okay, the facts are that both offenses did suck last year. That's a fact. Okay, oh, and yeah. you can find data yeah. that proves that. However, yeah, no, nobody's going to argue with that. <laughs> uh, yes. However, let's also look at the facts that Iowa upgraded at quarterback. Okay, they kind of. I mean, you got three quarters of one right now. <laughs> He's pretty hurt. 
<laughs> he played. Kirk, for- Kirk today just ruled out QB sneaks and and bootlegs, which is like he, what? That, he, I mean, that's that's what he, he was asked. Question, what are you guys going to call on third down now that you can't QB sneak? He was asked about it specifically, and how do you? So just because he says that, I know. But I think that's sort Kate, of Kate is why, hurt. Though. I mean, he, he looked. He played like he was hurt on he Saturday. Did? He looked. I thought he looked hurt. I mean, he was he's nursing a quad. I, I don't think he he's not a guy who's going to run anyways, all over the field. And, anyways, anyways, Iowa got a better QB, no doubt. No, I'm not even saying comparing. I'm just saying the fact of the matter is Iowa State lost their QB and they're <laughs> debuting. I'm not a couple sure that's of, a, we're not sure that's a bad thing. Just yet. <laughs> yeah, it may not be. It may yeah. not be. But they certainly yeah. didn't bring in a guy like Cade McNamara with his resume. They didn't. Not that Cade McNamara is some elite guy who's going to be drafted high, but I'm just saying in general. Sure. Tight end, yeah, Iowa. with playing experience, yeah. Yeah, Iowa lost their best offensive player in Sam Laporta, but mm-hmm. they arguably did not take a hit in that category at all because they have, no pun intended, Eric All and Luke Lachey. Um, you could argue they didn't really take a step back at receiver at all, even though they were bad last year. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they I think, they, if anything, they upgraded based purely on availability and health. And then I look over at the other side at Iowa State, and you know Iowa State's lost their running back, their quarterback. Um, they've lost. Uh, isn't R- Remsburg is out? Right. Uh, he he'll be back mid season, but he's out for for this. Or, week. Yeah, he, he's not playing Saturday. Yeah. yeah, he's out Saturday. So I'm just saying in general, I I understand where you're coming from. The offenses have sucked, but there is reason for Iowa fans to think that despite Brian Ferentz's shortcomings, that it could be a decent enough offense. And I'm not talking about top 50 offense. I'm talking like top 80. Yeah. Like for it, Iowa both, both teams are right now are striving to have a, an acceptable offense. That's, yeah. that's, that's the fight. So you're, you're correct. So Iowa, Iowa has probably more knowns on offense is maybe the best way I would describe it. You guys, Cade McNamara is a fairly known quantity. He's not right. going to win you games. necessarily. he's going to manage it. And he's going to, he's going to be just fine doing that. Eric Hall seems to be a pretty good tight end. We'll see. Um, and then Caleb Johnson has, he's, he's talented, but he's not really producing right now. So we're going to, we'll see what happens with that. But you know, so there's, but I would say Rocco's played one game. He looked fine. He looked, he looks plenty solid playing one game. Um, but we haven't seen a ton out of him. We saw Cartavius Norton and Abusama take some carries and they looked really good, but they haven't taken a lot of carries. And we saw a couple, we called, saw a couple young tight ends take, you know, make some really nice plays, but they haven't, you know, they've only caught a couple passes of each, you know, uh, uh, Bramer only caught one, caught the one thirty-six yard pass. You know, so there's just not a lot there. The, I, it, in my assessment, this is obviously biased, but like I would argue that when pieces start coming together, Iowa State's ceiling is probably still higher than Iowa State, just based on the talent on the roster and the athleticism on the roster. Because Iowa State's roster is like the offense is pretty consistently more athletic. Just Iowa's is more. I was usually a little bit stronger, and it does things a little bit different. Um, but you know, the, the talent on the roster for Iowa State lends to a potentially higher ceiling. It's just that there's more volatility. It's just less likely to reach that ceiling just because it's really, really young. There's a new offensive coordinator. There's a new offensive line coach. There's a new they've rearranged basically everything except the tight ends room, essentially. So there's there's a lot more volatility, but there's a higher ceiling. So it's it's tough. It's really hard to evaluate what Iowa State's offense actually is because they in the limited snaps they they took on Saturday, they looked fine. Um, they weren't great, but they weren't terrible by any stretch. Um, and but it was against an FCS an FCS team, a good FCS team, but an FCS team. So, it, well, but, but again, we don't know that they're a good FCS we team. We we don't know. I mean, they've been a good at, program. We don't. They're 
they're generally a good program. Yes. Like they're 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 in the A tier of the FCS. And I'm not saying that to to take a shot at I would say I think they are probably probably going to be a good FCS program. Yeah, they usually are. But I'd also say the same thing about Utah State. We we people assume that they're just going to be crap, and that I was you know when it, scoring twenty four on they, that they defense might be is good. pathetic. Yeah, we don't, we I, won't I think know. They got a chance of being pretty good. They won eleven games two years ago. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. There's I mean. We yeah they we're we're early enough in the season where we're doing a lot of projecting just based on the talent that's on the roster what we know the few things we do know about the teams where you really have to take make a lot of assumptions just because we're this early in the season but you know like I said I think Iowa's floor is probably higher on offense because just generally speaking their offensive line plays typically more solid they've probably they've got a, a more experienced quarterback and they've got a more established running back and like they they know who they're giving the ball to how did the uh, Iowa State tackles look. Uh, you're like the offensive tackle. Yeah, they like the offensive line was. They were fine. They weren't like they weren't you know world shattering or anything like that. I think they were fine. I what I saw was a lot of good body positioning. They were like they technique wise they were good. I think they were they had some. It seemed like they had some stuff that they were still kind of trying to sort out from as far as assignments go and stuff like that. But I think a lot of it was a lot of stuff that I think will get cleaned up week one to week two with some game film. Um, but the what I saw last week was some good foundational pieces if that may like if that's made me make sense forever but they they're they're kind of their their technique is good they're just they're trying to make sure that everyone's always in the right spot type of thing so it's it's a work in progress well levi you know i love you but i just don't see how iowa state consistently is going to be able to move the football against Iowa. i mean i could say the same thing about iowa though i mean Iowa State. one one thing we did learn on saturday is that Iowa State secondary might be better than we thought it was it was on it was unbelievably good yeah i i'm i'm thinking we're gonna see a score like either 2018 or 2019 nobody's scoring 20 in this game <laughs> no way no one's no, scored this 20 is gonna either be, of those this games. is gonna be a this is gonna be a horrible no 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 game no, no, like no last no. year i no, the year 2018 oh oh, oh, oh. I think 2018 was, was 13 to 3 right 13 yeah to 3 i, mean, I think i'll see him i'll see a score a touchdown but like and then in i think it'd be more like last year like a 10 7 13 7 type of thing 2019 was 18 to 17 something in that neighborhood yeah, yeah. I, I agree and i the reason it's i gonna say be an I, awful game <laughs> i have not been this confident mark even though i love you know i'm high on phil parker always been high on phil parker's defenses who wouldn't be yeah mm-hmm. I, the reason why i i struggle to uh, foresee a scenario in which iowa state scores like like levi said you know 20 or more is I look at what Nevada or Nevada Utah State was able to do. I'm talking about spreading them out. How is Iowa State going to spread Iowa out? They are loading up tight ends, which I which they see in the in Iowa's defense sees in practice every single day. They're loading you up on tight ends. They have not shown any ability to get the ball down the field. They've got a quarterback with a Iowa's strongest position on the field is that defensive line. You got a quarterback. Well, a couple a couple things here. I don't think they they they. They chucked it downfield a few different times. And actually, Rocco's only two incompletions came on like 50-yard bombs that were about six inches past the receiver's hands. I mean, they were okay. they were they were trying to stretch Iowa's defense out because the way you beat Iowa's secondary is you make them you make them defend deep. Um and they they connected with the tight end on a 36 on you know, a 36 yard pass. They were this close to connecting on a couple other 50-yard bombs. I mean, they were they were they were pushing the ball down the field more than definitely more than when Tom Manning was offensive coordinator and just more than we've seen them in general. And I, I think part of the, part of the kind of the, I hate, I hate the word, the 
phrase X factor, but kind of an important thing about here too, is I would say does have a new offensive coordinator and they didn't show a lot last week. One thing we did see a few things that are different. The 36 yard uh, pass to Ben Bramer came on a play action from under center, actually, um, which is a one. It's easier to do play action from under center. Cause it's just more of a run tell. So it's, it just looks better as a play action to the defense. You're more likely to bite on it as a defensive player. Um, and we just saw, we, I think we saw some more creative passing schemes, but Everything was super, super vanilla because one, because it was a thousand degrees outside. So nobody was doing anything. Um, but two, just there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's part of the unknown of this team is what the scheme looks like, the X's and O's of it too. And right now, Kirk has like almost no, almost no film on what the new offensive coordinator for Iowa State is trying to do. So that's, that's an important thing here too is, I mean, they've got the athletes to spread Iowa out. One of the new guys I think is going to get more snaps on Saturday is Benny Nagoya. He's from Nebraska. He's 6'4", and he has a clocked time as a true freshman as a 4'4 flat at 6'4". He had the 40-inch vertical. I mean, he's an unbelievable athlete. And he's, he's, he, right now, he's probably more of just a vertical threat right now. But that's a guy that if you want to try to really make Iowa defend deep, you can send him. You, you know, well, Jay- I, I, I agree with you on that. Iowa State's chance in this game is going to be attacking... Deshaun Lee's side of the field because like I said and I brought up uh, 2019 um, that was the double pass and that was to DJ Johnson's side of the field and DJ Johnson hadn't played uh, and was I think in for Matt Hankins or Bojamudi or one of those guys in 19 that was out so that's going to hurt the Jamari Harris thing is going to hurt if Jamari Harris was playing Saturday healthy uh i would probably give iowa state like a 10 percent chance of winning i probably bump that up to like 25 percent. and this is a that's a home game and I'm, I'm not trying to sound pompous but i just i think I'm i not- think i think you're probably overvaluing the stuff whatever we did see out of iowa's offense last saturday and undervaluing iowa state's defense a little bit like i would say defense is every bit as good as iowa's it doesn't force as many turnovers as iowa's but as far as just stopping offensive things it's every bit as good as i was when and which is a compliment to both because both were like top five defenses last year i mean right now the home of defense in college football is the state of iowa um hold on a second good iowa state's defense is every bit as good yeah. as Iowa's defense no question no oh, yeah. question no question yeah no question i would say it's got the better secondary the linebackers are probably a push and the, the, i would then the <laughs> And then the then the Iowa defensive line is probably maybe a little bit better. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Better secondary. And then what did you say after that? The linebackers are probably a push. Linebackers are a push. And then I would say I was probably maybe an Iowa slight Iowa lean on the defensive line. I mean, nobody. I don't think either team is particularly far ahead at any position. Especially, especially not on defense. I would say well, it's just a little bit more heavy in the secondary, and I would say it's a little bit more heavy up front. That's part of this is we're just going to be. We're, I mean, we're we're split. We're we're, just, we're splitting hairs at this point. Well, we're also just saying our opinions of what we think, you know, because oh, yeah. we have none of this has been proven yet. But I have a hard right. time thinking that Iowa State's D line is. I would say going- D line is very good, dude. So okay, here here's a stat for you. On last week against you and I, against you and I, but uh, actually, they were extremely good on offense last year, and they have a very good quarterback in the day. But um, last week against you and I, they for on they forced havoc on 32 percent of plays, which is a a tackle for loss, a sack, pass breakup, or an, interfe- or an interception. On 32% of plays, they did something crazy. And like that's that's not nothing. I mean, that's they were they were generating a ton of pressure out of a three-man front. 
and they had the linebackers were getting in. Miles Purchase had a sack. You know, two interceptions out of a sa- out of a sophomore safety. I mean, well, the, they're ob- the, the obviously it's, really it is easier to generate pressure when you know your opponent is going to throw the football because they're behind. Obviously, we we recognize that, right? So you and oh, I, the sacks came, a lot of sacks came in the first half, though. I mean, okay, well, so yeah, that could be true. <laughs> I'm just saying, Iowa's I mean, got a lot more known commodities on the defensive line. And depth, then, and I don't, I'm not. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna concede the depth point. Known commodities, I'll concede depth. I won't concede though. You won't but, concede depth. No, I was. We played 35 guys last week, and 27 recorded a stat. I would say it is like that's their thing on defense. I'm talking about. I'm, they played 37 guys on, on defense? defense. Yes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Well, we're. First of all, there's a big difference between playing guys and them actually playing and meaningful snaps. So, I'm, how many of those guys were actually playing when the game was in doubt? Uh, I'd have to, I don't have to go look. I'd break it down and play by play. I mean, but 27 of them recorded a stat. And actually, one thing, one thing that's of note here too is that Iowa State is not terrible on special teams for once. Um, they recorded, a, you know, they had 174 all-purpose, you know, of non-offensive yards yet last weekend, which is big because that's one place that Iowa State has lost big time in the last, well, Matt Campbell era, basically, is getting pounded on special teams where they just keep losing the field position battle and they have to make it up on offense. They had two punt returns yesterday, and they averaged 30 yards of return on two punt returns. And they and uh, had a couple of decent kick returns, and obviously had the two interceptions. Iowa State did a good job in actually trying to create yards in special teams last week, and they're they're trying to do it, which is great. Um, that put them in good field position. And actually, the second punt return um, set up a 55 yard made field goal from Chase Contreras. So that's a special teams point. If I that's that's an that's an that is a classic Iowa three points right there is a long punt return into a 55-yard field goal to close the half. If there's ever a more classic Kirk Ferentz way to score, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Levi, I'll ask this question. And then near the end, I've got two yeah. big picture treetop kind of questions about Iowa State yeah. football. But in pertaining to the defense, do you believe that this defense in 23 will be better, worse, the same as the 22 defense? Hmm. I would say... Right now, I would say they're pretty darn close. Okay. It's hard because I was, it, was a five, it was a top five defense last year, and they lost a few players. But early returns are that they should be, if not as good, but then pretty close. If maybe not their top five, maybe they'll be top ten or top twelve or something like that. Like so I tend to lean heavily in the Iowa direction about the debate about defense, but I understand my own biases and so forth, and that I may not have a clear picture of this. So there were a couple of games here that if you're just looking at the game score, and I I'm sure I watched less Iowa State football last year than I have in years. I wish I would have. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> because of the obvious. They were not a factor where right. they have been for the last few years. Right. Uh, the Baylor score, that's a 31-24 game. So the Cyclones La- gave up 31 the Baylor to Baylor. Score last, year game? last year's? Yeah. 31 uh, to Baylor, 24 to Texas, 62 to TCU. I'm not going to count that one. That's kind of a, I, I'm, that's an, I would not, I would not count that one as far it's just like, it's, it's kind of like Matt Campbell's 2016 season. It's not really like a statistically meaningful result. I don't think. Okay. Well, at that point, I mean, TCU was trying to score points to get to a college football playoff. Iowa state was in the last game of a terrible, awful sure. season. 
nobody yeah, showed be, up. Nobody to cared. To be fair, Iowa gave up 54 against Ohio State, but you would have to mm. know the ins and outs of it to know. <laughs> to a non-playoff <laughs> team, of all things. They gave up 54 to a non-playoff team. Go Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Ohio State was a playoff team, first of all. Were they last year? I don't know. I don't care about the Second playoff. of all. <laughs> they came within a kick of winning the national championship. And you didn't even know that they were in the playoff. My goodness, yeah. Levi, should we have you back? Um, <laughs> last, last season? I don't, yeah. Last season didn't happen. I don't even know what we're talking so, about. So, last season ahead, was Mark. canceled. <laughs> go so, ahead, again, I, it just leads me to believe that I was a better team defensively uh, because I just know how good they were. I, I saw the stats and the scores and all that with Iowa State and highlights. And I know that they were really good uh, on defense last year, but. Uh, I mean, I, if I you're just, looking at like yards for like adjusted yards for like opponent adjusted yards yep. for play and stuff like that, I mean, they're virtually identical defenses. I mean, I was the, I think if I remember correctly, the, there was only like two defense, like two or three defenses in the country that had a, a better adjusted yards for play than Georgia in one. And there were two of them were Iowa and Iowa State or something like that. I have to look it up again. But like, it, I mean, it, it's, it's one of, I mean, Iowa State's defense is not better than Iowa's. It's not worse. Well, it's not better. <laughs> so they're the same. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're looking at like Iowa's strengths, Iowa State also has a good, really good player at that position. Like, I don't think I don't find Cooper DeGene and TJ Tampa to be marginally one. One is not better than the other. They're both extremely good players. Um, uh, like a defensive tackle, Iowa State's Dominic Orange is as a monster he's six four three thirty five at the nose tackle spot which is a humongous nose tackle okay well why black is six five three twenty right but dominic orange has lots of game game tape to show how good he is i mean he's phenomenal why black is a senior great <laughs> i mean my point here is that like <laughs> you're like my point here is that all of like the strengths on iowa's defense are countered by a relative strength at the same position for iowa state I mean, Iowa State doesn't have one defender that is really, really good. They have five. I mean, they're exceptionally good. Are we showing this right now? You know what's funny? Uh, in oh, um, uh, classic Demonte Ruth, <laughs> definitely one of my least favorite players of all time. Sorry. You know what's funny though? In our in our wide right Slack, my uh, my my profile picture has been a screenshot of that muff punt before <laughs> ever since that day. <laughs> Well, just a just a stupid play. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say this that um, I, I I'm not going. You know, I'm not a betting man. Never will be. Um, I have not felt <laughs> this confident about an Iowa Iowa State game in a long long time. You know what's and funny though is we both kind of thought that last year. I didn't feel that. You say really? you keep saying this. I never said that. You've accused me of this twice now. I I, ne- I predicted I was a winner you last may year. Have, but we're but not I, winning this game again. Iowa was coming off a seven to three win against South Dakota State. I did oh, not predict anything. That. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> thank you. Okay. But my point is, and by the way, who would win in a matchup between Utah State and you and I, Mark? Utah. We don't State. know. Utah State, and it should be pretty convincing. Yeah. <laughs> And what, by the what? way, Levi, I can't I don't even know go, how you I can't let go with this, Levi, because you were making you were spinning the 6214 against TCU into, well, we were playing a playoff team. When in fact, you you may want to check this out. I should have caught you like a week ago before the season started because you're not going to be into watching old games, but Georgia and Ohio State actually played a semifinal that turned into the quasi national championship. And so Ohio State was actually much better than TCU. 
imagine imagine giving up 54 to a non-national championship game participant i just i couldn't even imagine that i just can't like it it doesn't really the really the larger point of that particular game is i would say was done like nobody sure, wanted to be there. Sure. I, I get the point it's an outlier but yeah. i get it they were my, really my, my point here is Absolutely. though i would not i would and one if you're looking at just game scores too i would probably there probably also should be a factor considered for offensive scoring environment that each team oh, plays in. i mean oh absolutely. I, I mean big 10 yeah. west is horrible offensively. yeah i was generalizing that yeah so but so i i mean generally speaking like i said both these teams are functionally identical stylistically and just where the talent is on the team and stuff like that i was got more knowns iowa state's got more volatility and probably theoretically a higher ceiling but who knows I've got two big picture questions for you. One concerning the Big 12. So I'll start with that since it's kind of related to where we are here. Uh, I know it's only one week, but I know we had a conversation when we had you on during the offseason. And at some point in the conversation, it always goes to Big 10 and Big 12. Well, that was a bad look for the Big 12 this past week. Yeah, tough week Um, is what it is. I mean, I can't take responsibility for Baylor losing Texas State, I guess. But, you know, it is the future of the big 12 is a very competitive conference with lots and lots of good programs. A bad week happens just kind of is what it is. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, t- to Iowa state took care of business. Game. That's really all I care about. At least y'all got Arizona coming in that power power down in Tucson can elevate the conference. There you go. So classic, classic pac 12 power right there. And yep. Arizona state. So that's mm-hmm. right. And then the more pertinent to what you care about would be, we've probably been having you on here since roughly 2017, 18, when, when the, the there, program yeah. was emerging and yeah. was the talk of college football on many fronts as, wow, this is amazing what Matt Campbell's doing here. Yeah. Speaking for yourself and also speaking for the fan base and your, <laughs> your feedback from the fan base, yeah. how dis- can you describe your level and their level of disappointment over the way things have gone over the last couple of seasons. Hmm. I, I'm sure you expected to be somewhere else in um, college football in the stratosphere at this point, somewhere. I think if you were to, if you were to look at, if you were to make your data points based on expectations at the time versus what happened at the time, and then just go off of that, then yeah, the last few seasons have been, the last couple of seasons, last two have been disappointing. I, I mean, no doubt. I mean, and even if you're, even if you, you know, use your hindsight as 2020 thing, they're still disappointing. Um, like especially like the 2021 season, that that team should have been a lot better, just with how many NFL players were on that roster on both sides of the ball. I mean, it was an, it was a ridiculously talented roster that should have been a lot better than they were. And some some of that's bad luck, and some of it's they didn't take care of business on special teams and doing lots of other stuff. Last season. Last season was always known. It was always known that it was known that there were going to be a lot of unknowns, but it was known that there was going to be a lot of roster turnover and stuff like that. I think we probably thought it would be, it would look prettier than it did. I mean, Iowa State was still a, a few dropped passes away from seven wins. Uh, it was, it wasn't as bad as four and eight sounds, but it also, it also was as bad as it was. If they could have also lost to Iowa and been three and nine. Sure. Absolutely. They're one I, kick I, away from overtime. Absolutely. You're, you're definitely correct. Um, but I think having chance to have some perspective on, on last season a little bit is that we were, we were always probably on an uphill climb in that 
So like 2021, we thought was going to be really good because Iowa State was a was a pretty old team. They had tons of experience at every. I mean, every position was juniors and seniors, uh, outside of a few. I mean, there was tons of position at even at depth on that roster. Um, then, but what happens when you have a really old roster in college football? Anyways, when you have a really old roster, you can become suddenly be, become very very young very very fast. Um, and that and that's what happened. The COVID year kind of screwed around with things a little bit because it, it some guys stuck around longer. There's actually a few different guys that stuck around longer than they maybe ordinarily would have, and that that imbalanced the roster as far as um, seniors versus sophomores playing on it, playing on the depth chart and stuff like that. So it imbalanced things quite a bit. It made it difficult. Um, so we were probably we were probably a little bit. I mean, I don't think expectations were high in the last season, but we were probably even a little bit maybe too high on them just because. We, I don't think we had correctly gauged what the effect of getting super young was going to look like. Cause we hadn't been there in a few years. Basically we'd grown, you know, that team that graduated after 21 with Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and, and, and not Xavier stuck around another year, but and Xavier Hutchinson and Mike Rose and all those and all the, and Charlie Kohler and all these guys that turned out to be, you know, all time greats at Iowa state, you know, losing all of them at the same time hurts. And it, it hurt more than I think we gave it credit for. And I, so I think that's really what it was. There's, there's a lot of contextualizing that has to happen around the last two years. 2021, I would absolutely characterize as they should have been better. And a lot of that does fall on Matt Campbell. 2022, I think there was a lot of factors that went into it that were not 100% in Matt Campbell's control. They should have been better. Absolutely, they should have been better. They should have been better on special teams. They should have. There's a few different plays that they should have made that could have kept them at six, seven wins. Or whatever, and we'd be having a different conversation probably. Um, but there was a lot of things that he couldn't control. Um, and it just kind of it's one of those where it is what it is. So I would say and and other smaller programs have difficulties and challenges that others don't. Um, that's just kind of what it is. I mean, you know, Iowa has been a model of consistency for a long time. I mean, they're they're their floor and ceiling is four and eight and eight and four. I mean, outside of a couple a couple outliers, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. They, they live between four and eight and eight and four for the most part. Um, <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, but even, but even then they still trend towards six and six and eight and four type of, you thing. know, they we can much... look these things up, Levi. I understand. I mean, okay. That they've mean... had one. They have had one they had <laughs> year, one year of less than seven and five. Sorry, you're missing my point entirely. One, you're, you're, no, you're, you're missing my point. Listen, one year of, Something worse than seven and five since what 2006? Are you kidding me right now? You're getting caught up on the detail. On the, you're getting caught up on this. My, <laughs> my point was is that Iowa's floor and ceiling are extremely close together. They don't really deviate very much from the result. A lot of their yes. the deviation is based on some luck factors and things like that. There's not much deviation yep. in Iowa football. And part That's of true. that is because Kirk has built a program that is extremely consistent about what they do, they do the same thing. Every year, I was 1999 or 2001. Iowa looks very similar to 2023 Iowa, um, in both in roster construction and just general philosophy. Absolutely, and, and that's and that's how you build that. That's how you build a model of consistency like Kirk has built at Iowa. Matt, he's also got a 15 year head start on Matt Campbell. There's well, other they, things they had a better they had better offensive personnel in 2001, 2002, and probably not quite sure. as good personnel. On defense, they've, they've they had sure they, they've changed a little bit, but for the for the most part, Kirk Ferentz's teams fifteen years ago look like they do now. They, they don't have a Brad Banks. They don't. Uh, yeah, you know. but 
I agree with everything you just said, Levi, except where where I'm going with this, where I'm going with this. What was that? Seven and five and 10 and two is more like I would not put like I was not typical ceiling is not 10 and two. It's maybe nine and three, but I mean, they do. They occasionally jump up there, but that's not a regular thing. It might more hit a, <laughs> it's more of a regular listen, thing than them going, let's say six and six. It's 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 more no, listen, it's more of a <laughs> it's more of a common thing than them going four and eight. <laughs> well said, yeah, for sure. You said the floor is you're, you're anyway again contextually the the, Levi, the I'm right there with you. It's yeah. just when you spit that number out and it's completely off, that just has to be adjusted. Okay. It's, so they live between six and six and nine and three, whatever. Seven and five. I don't care. Pick a okay. number. They're close okay. together. It doesn't matter. Um, the point here, though, is that is that Iowa State is still trying to establish that program consistency. They're trying to find the model. They're trying to find the long term model for this yep. thing. They're still trying to do that. I mean, I'm, at some point, you know, programs become winners, perennial winners. It don't it doesn't happen overnight, and it happens at different stages. Look at back in the twenties, Georgia Tech was a national power for fifty years, and then they haven't done anything. But then you look like. Clemson is only like kind of recently. They're they're a recent power. I mean, they, they mean like they're a recent elite. Right, they, they've they, been they, a top fifteen program for decades. Right, but like like the eighties, not like they're like because yes. the eighties is kind of when they start coming around. If I'm correct, right? Yep. Sure, but we're not talking like Texas A and M or Alabama that were good back. They've been pretty consistently good since like sure. the thirties or whatever. You know, Notre Dame's been good since then. You know, World War II basically or whatever or a little bit before that. They started winning then. Wisconsin started winning later than that. Clemson started winning, you know, later than that. You know, programs start winning at different points. I was waited a hundred years to do it, um, but I would, you know, we've had good success so far. They're trying to find the long term model for winning consistently at Iowa State. It takes time. It is what it is. It's hard. It's harder to do here than a lot of other places um, because partly is that because I would like Iowa State can't bank on we play in the Big Ten and you can watch us get our ass kicked by Michigan all the time. Like, you know, it's, we can't, we can't bank on that. So we have to kind of do it our own way. Uh, we th- about, say <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing out a jab there, but it, it doesn't even say matter. Say it again. Say it again. I say we can't bank on, we can play Michigan and get our asses kicked all the time. <laughs> what do you mean bank on it? Like we can't tell recruits, oh, we play in the big 10. When they've gotten their pants pulled down versus Michigan. Yeah. Once you're, you're split, you're, you're dig, you're, you're leaning too much into the specifics. My point, like Iowa can sell that they play in the Big Ten. Iowa State can't do that. Part of it, it just kind of is what it is. They have to, they have to sell their program differently than Iowa sells. Their it program. might help if they could beat the only Big Ten team on their schedule year in and year. My guy, Iowa State is one and zero against Iowa in the last one years. Okay, it literally, just, like, and they're zero and six in the six prior. <laughs> Under Kirk Ferentz, it's basically a coin flip. So, I mean, what are we? I don't even know where we, we can keep Is extending really? timelines. Yeah, I would. Did you know Iowa State won like eight in a row? By the way, can I just real quick? Thing. Let me just give you. I know you know this already. I'm gonna just real quickly give you. There's a stretch total. where Iowa State won like nine of eleven. Starting in 2000, these are total. These are win totals. All right, since 2008, nine wins, eleven wins, eight, seven, four, eight, seven, twelve, eight, eight, nine, ten, six and two, ten, eight. So it's a whole bunch of eights. They live at eight and four. Yeah, and a then whole they lot of eights once and, in a while. And and how many double figures? One, two, three, four. Corey. Corey. How many six win six or how many <laughs> how many six win uh, seasons? Corey, I, I don't. Four, didn't he say four and eight? Didn't he say four and eight at one point? 
Corey, nobody here is arguing that Iowa is not the better program historically. Nobody's arguing that. I don't like what corner are you trying to pay me into? I know Iowa is the better program historically. Like, we're, who are you arguing with? You're Don, Qu- you're Don Quixote fighting windmills. Like, there's nothing. You're arguing it's nobody. What if Corey said Iowa State lives between two and ten and five and seven? You would take exception to that and go, "Oh, we went eight and four. Prior we to Matt Campbell, that's not. And we went. What are you talking about? Matt Campbell, that's not wrong. <laughs> like, well, like, I mean, under Matt Campbell, they live between six and six and seven and five. <laughs> pretty I'm much. I'm a State fan. If people said you you guys live a nine and three and ten and two, I would say, uh, no, they never lose more than one game like once a decade. Well, what are you Ohio talking State. about? I don't. I can't even remember the last time Ohio State won less than ten games. Um. When, why, when? Yeah, you got to understand, we're all going to take offense to a number that's decidedly wrong. We're, we're getting, we're getting, even though up. everything we're getting hung she up said on was correct, at least I agreed with it. It was the number range was. We're, we're getting hung off. up on on. That. Let me it's, just refresh everybody's <laughs> your memory real quick, Levi. That it, it has okay in the last seven years. What is Iowa State's record against Iowa? Just make this clear. In the last seven years, one what is six. their record? One and six. But okay. what are they in their last one years? One and oh. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. This game is big stupid all the time, anyways. Which, <laughs> automatically, like, which automatically means it's two and six in the last eight years because like of- 2017, it was 44-41, which is the most outlier thing I've ever seen in Cyhawk. It was nothing. Like yeah, it was, that was a fun game. It was an extremely fun game. That was the emergence of Dave Montgomery. It was fantastic. Um, even though we lost, which it sucks because we should have Akram Wadley had that great run at the end of the game too. But anyways, the, well, you could argue that for, that Iowa state's win in 11 was also an outlier. Cause that was also 44, 41. That was the, yeah, that was steel the steel dance game. Yeah, yeah. That was a steel dance game. Yeah. That was a fun game. Yeah. Um, that was a fun year. Ago. 2011 was a good year to be an Iowa state football fan. Yeah. Start. We beat Iowa starting the field, beat Oklahoma state starting the field, basically broke the BCS in half. That was fantastic. what great. What greatest school were you in in 2011? Uh, I was a sophomore in college. Okay. So I was there. I was in the student section. Good for you. Yeah, it was fun. That was, that was a good year. We started the basketball, was court and basketball a couple times that season. Fantastic. Um, but anyways, the general feeling back to the kind of the original question is that the last two seasons have been disappointing. They were disappointing for different reasons, but I think all these changes that we saw in the, in the off season shows to me that, Matt Campbell understands that what they were doing was not working, that they had plateaued or whatever you want to call it. They, or they had fallen back. And that was, to me, you don't overhaul your entire offensive staff, including one of your best friends uh, and getting rid of Tom Manning. Like you don't, you don't make that unless you're trying to do something. You're trying to change it and you're trying to change the overall trend of what was happening. Cause he saw Iowa state had lots of, um, you know, had lots of success early on, but then they had plateaued. Everyone kind of figured out what they were doing. And they had, and they needed to change, and they did. Um, it is what it is. Unfortunately, a fallback year for Iowa State isn't five and seven; it's four and eight or something, or three and nine or whatever it is. That's that's what a fallen back type of year is for Iowa State. It's not you can't just have a bad season and then just kind of sneak into a bowl game or something like that. It's just you know. So Mark, a, Mark and I last night were, uh, were talking about how we we would love one thing we'd like to see before we both pass on pass away is we'd like to see Iowa win a game in which they have negative yardage, total offense. 
Brian Ferentz seems like he's trying. I don't like, <laughs> but we, like, we want to see that happen. But my question is to you, one thing that I, as bad as Iowa's offense has been, I've never seen Iowa, and I don't remember this, an Iowa receiver getting four catches for six yards. How did that even happen? <laughs> they, were, uh, there was, they were all like bubble screens, basically. And that's what they were. They just so kind of all he, got bottled up. Why, why, why would they not? You talked about Nate Shillhouse earlier, and I know we need to wrap this program up. But real quick, I agree with you that there is some unknown with Nate Shieldhouse. But I also am curious, like, what does he bring to the table? I, I should have asked uh, Don Patterson. I would have loved him been in Iowa City. Ask Kirk Ferentz today because he was not asked about Nate Shieldhouse. But what do you look at if you're an offensive or a defensive coordinator or head coach about an offensive coordinator like Nate Shieldhouse, who's been part of the Iowa State staff, but who has no experience as a coordinator? And like you said, you could argue that their game against you and I was vanilla. I think you have to go with what you saw on tape. And I would, I think if you were going to try to, if you were trying to game plan for Iowa state based on what you saw against you and I, then you would be playing directly into Iowa state's hand, I think, um, which, I mean, you're not going to do that. I mean, they're going to, I mean, I would say like Nate Shieldhaus isn't like going to be going like Texas tech going from a wishbone offense in the nineties to Mike Leach in the two thousands. It's not going to be like that. I mean, they're still going to be in the same general ballpark, you know, same type of personnel groupings and things like that. We're just going to see like some tweaks and things like that. Like one thing we saw, like I said, with the Ben Bramer touchdown is that instead of always running your shotgun or running your play action on a shotgun, which is not nearly as good of a as really as good of a sell as it is from under center, they ran from under center was a much better sell. So it's a it's taking a similar concept to what they did run a lot under Tom Manning and just doing it differently and making it a little bit better things like that. So it's, it's things like that. Like, I mean, you could probably still look at Iowa state's scheme from last year and still see some things that you're probably going to see on Saturday. You're just going to see some things in different order. You see, like I said, running out of running a play action out of under center instead of out of shotgun or something like that, you know, little tweaks here and there. I don't think, I mean, I don't think any college football coach looks at one game and says, well, this is what they're doing. Um, like I mean, because it's all it's all contextual. Like I said, I would say ran very few plays. They ran, they were super run heavy that whole game, and they just ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Uh, much to my chagrin, I would have liked to see them pass more, but they ran, they ran it and ran it and ran it. Partly because it was a million degrees outside, and everyone was getting really worn down, and everyone was just tired, and they were just trying to keep keep everything moving and try not to make anybody, you know, force anybody into mistakes. Rocco back was like. He only had 113 passing yards, whatever it was, but he was like he was like 11 of 13, I think is what it was, something like that. He only had two incompletions. He was very solid, and like I said, his only his only two incompletions were like 50 yard bombs that were just a little off. Um, and he looked comfortable. I think they were doing a good job of keeping him comfortable. So I mean, if you're looking, I I don't think looking at last Saturday is what you can look at as far as tape for Iowa State. I mean, you, you can look at some of it. I mean, it's in the playbook, obviously, but. You know, I don't think you can formulate a full game plan based on what you saw last Saturday. My prediction, Mark, and I'll come out with my game prediction later this week. I have not been as confident in this game since probably, well, I don't know, maybe maybe 2018, um, which that game ended up being low scoring. And and uh, most of these games come down to the final quarter. I mean, just because neither offense usually pulls away yeah. from the other. The difference that I see, and the reason I brought up the whole elite talent thing, is with Iowa State not having a guy like Hakeem Butler or Alan Lazard or Xavier Hutchinson or uh, David Montgomery or uh, what's his face? Brees Hall. There has been the potential for them to score, to go off and hit big plays. Be a playmaker. Yeah, exactly. And they have here and there, they've hit some. And the way I've always felt in, in the Matt Campbell era with those generational type of athletes, 
is, boy, uh, I'm afraid of that happening. And I think back to 2017, Iowa was fortunate enough in 2017 to have some playmakers themselves like Akram Wadley, Akram Wadley yeah. and Noah Fant. And those guys, TJ Hawkinson was really good in that game. But I guess my point is like they they have had the potential to do that due to having those athletes that Iowa doesn't have. I just don't know who those guys are this year. So with that being said, I, I think Iowa wins this game like something like, well, I won't give a score, but I think that I think they win it by seven to 10 points. And I just, I have a hard time seeing where the points come from if you're Iowa State. So I think the, the not having a clear focal point on the offense, I think is going to actually could potentially work. It could help Iowa State a little bit because if we look at like what last season we saw, Xavier Hutchinson had a trillion catches. I mean, his average game was like 21 targets for and 14 catches. Yeah. I mean, he got so many targets and it became, it came to the point where I mean, they were just so fixated. And if you stopped Xavier Hutchinson, they had nothing. So you, I mean, the defense knew who to focus on. Now, Xavier Hutchinson was such a good receiver, it didn't like, it didn't really matter a ton. Um, I mean, I like the, the one score, the one touchdown, any or the one touchdown Iowa State did score last season or last in the, how game last year was Xavier Hutchinson basically just bodying Riley uh, um, Moss, Riley Moss, yeah, Riley Moss in the end zone and just making a play. Um, but I think because you don't have a focal point specifically, they like not spreading the ball around a lot more is going to be is going to benefit Iowa State quite a bit. Like you said, it's trying to spread out the Iowa defense. You, you spread them out and you take them vertical is the best. But how do way you do that? How do you how, how do you have confidence in their ability to do that when I don't mean, I don't all know if their I catches came from tight ends? I mean, I don't know if confidence is the word. It's just I'm I'm intrigued. Like there's there's I agree. plenty of there's in, there's athletes and there's there's raw talent there to do it. We just okay. We don't know. I don't. I don't. The answer is I don't know. I don't know what the game plan is because I we just didn't see enough from Saturday to to make any extrapolations from there. Yeah. And that's certainly not to say I don't think they can do that. Like I said, they've got the players to do it. It's just a matter of what does the scheme look like? What does the flow of the game look like? Um, and we'll kind of we're, we're we'll see. I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much of a factor it is, but it's worth noting that you know playing from the underdog position is something that Iowa State typically does a lot better than playing as the favorite. Um, and yeah. and there's also I would also posit that every ounce of pressure on this game falls on Iowa. There is no pressure whatsoever for Iowa State to win this game because there's no expectation for them to win it because they're so young or whatever. The, the line but, is the line is closer than it would have been. I, there was a perception after Iowa's struggles against Utah State in the second half and Iowa state taking care of business against you and I, that like I said, that line would have been closer to six or seven. And the fact that it moved hey, down, I think it started at three and a half. Now it's at four. Yeah. But that's um, pretty even. That's, that's it, relatively even. I, I feel it is, different. but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking from like the outside looking in because they, a lot of the narrative that I saw anyways, from the, from just perusing the Iowa communication sphere is that, the expectation for Iowa is like anything less than like nine and three is a severe disappointment type of thing, just because of the schedule is not great. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not horrible, but it's not great. Um, eight and four would be disappointing. Eight and, eight and four would be catastrophic. Nine and three is still not great. Ten, kind of depending on how it happens. Ten and two is like we need to be ten and two type of thing to feel like to feel like the season was a success, right? I, I'm, I'm in the ballpark. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So losing to Iowa State, a team that you know. We're we're going to be pretty happy this season if they get to a bowl game because that means this thing's pointed in the right direction. We've got you know some young guys are starting to step up. We've got a direction on offense, things like that. There's not really a lot of expectation for Iowa State to win this game. There is a lot of expectation for Iowa to win this game. Um, and I think if Iowa were to lose this game, 
we're going to, I think the Iowa Hawkeye crowd will be pretty volatile. Like I think, I think we'll see quite a bit of, quite a number of of Iowa fans that are not just upset because they lost a game, but they're upset about how could this happen? How did they lose to a team that's rebuilding? They did lose to Iowa to State in 2002, and Iowa was a much better team than Iowa State in they 2002. They got demolished. It, wasn't, it, was like a, it was not even close in 2002. And who was a better team in 2002? Oh, Iowa. No doubt. Iowa was a better team. No so doubt. I'm just saying in, in early September, anything can Sure, happen. and that's, that's this rivalry game being played in September is, is kind of weird because the result of this game almost never actually, actually accurately predicts the success of either team. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of weird. That's why I would rather they play it in November during rivalry week, but is here nor there. Um, but it's one of those things that I think if you if you looked at it as Iowa State losing this game, I don't think that changes anything for anybody here. I mean, if it's like really, really awful and ugly and just everything falls off, I mean, that maybe changes the conversation a little bit. But an L showing up on the schedule after Saturday doesn't, I don't think that changes too much for Iowa State. But I think losing to Iowa state on Saturday would change a few things. Like, I don't think it, it doesn't make Iowa a worse team, but I think it makes the fan base a lot more impatient. Especially. Iowa, I agree that if Iowa was going to do great things this year, which I think they have to be, they have a chance. They do need to be, they do they need have to, they have to. Yeah. Um, now they and, can win the West. They can win the West without beating Iowa. State. Right. Right. But like but, to feel like if like to feel like they could win the West and then go to a big 10 title game and then, you know, theoretically push for a playoff or something like that. Yeah, they just need to based, win this just game. Based, they have to period. They have to win this game. If they want to, if they want to top out on their seat, they want to hit a, a potential. They I have mean, to be, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We're using these ultimatum comments or these ultimate. Sure. It, right. Yeah. They could I mean, win out and be 11 sure. and one win the big 10 title, be 12 and one. They'd get in with a sure. loss. at uh, Iowa yeah, State. Yeah, no, that's no, no doubt. About it. Right. That's right. Reasonable. Yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of my point is that for Iowa to achieve what they want to achieve, they kind of have to win this game for Iowa State to achieve what they want to achieve. They don't. So I was playing from a fairly low pressure underdog situation where Iowa is playing like we got we have to win this game. And there is a lot of pressure looking in because let's say we go out this weekend and Iowa puts up 10 points offensively. I mean, depending, I mean, it kind of depends on how it happens, that but could I happen. mean, that could it, happen. it absolutely could happen. Like, it, I mean, it, this, the final score could have be seven to six on Friday and nobody would be surprised. Again, in 2018, Iowa's offense was decent and they scored 13. Exactly. I mean, say decent according to Iowa's standards. Yeah, yeah. They were decent. That was, that was the C.J. Beathard year, right? No, 2018 was Stanley, but that was Hawkinson fan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they scored 13 against right. Iowa State I mean, at home. It's, it's 100% in the realm of possibility that they scored 10 points on Saturday. Now, it, like I said, it depends on how it happens, but that you know that's going to be a, not a, a satisfactory result for Iowa fans, I don't think. Um, no, it won't be a satisfactory result. My, my, my big thing, and Levi, I'm a proponent at this point, in getting rid of this game i just for me personally oh, no 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 no. i know don't you don't that like far. that but i don't to me i don't have any reason to continue this in my mind anymore if unless iowa state's going to be perennially relevant it does hurt iowa and it, that's a conversation mm, for another i don't day. think it does it, i of mean of course it does it, 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 that is a conversation for another thing it's a philosophy it's a philo- i mean there's been times where but i mean like there's so much benefit for the state as a whole. I mean, there's tons and tons of there's a, there. I mean, there's millions and millions of dollars of economic economic activity associated with the game. It attracts people from outside the state. I mean, it's it attracts eyes from outside the state. Um, it's it's a it's a very very meaningful game. If I, mean, I was scheduled Notre Dame, or if I was scheduled, you know, if I was scheduled Alabama, then I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, I mean. <laughs> The point, I mean, the point is that we, the point is that we, we schedule power five non-cons. There's one in the state for both of them. 
it makes a lot of sense. They can both play. They can both rack up a non-conference power five win. But that's and, easy for you to say because I was perennially a good schedule. Iowa State is not a good schedule perennially. I mean, on, on a long, on a forever time scale. Yeah, I mean, in the under the Matt Campbell era, it has been. Well, it wasn't last year. They went four and eight, and it probably isn't this year. And it's rarely. I, I don't know. Per- I mean, I, I, to me. Getting rid of the game doesn't make any sense for, I mean, it's it's just such a big event for the state. I mean, if you're truly focusing, I mean, the, the the only upside for Iowa is if you really think that Iowa can push for being a perennial playoff team. That's the only upside. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see that as possible. But see, that's where I'm looking at this. I, I don't see how in the long, if, if you're, if you're satisfied with being an eight to nine win team, that is a middling big 10 team. Once they hit, end up, getting rid of divisions, there'll be a upper tier, but middling upper tier big 10 team. I think that's fair. There'll be a top for Iowa six or seven team in a 20 in an 18 team conference. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where they're probably yeah, they're ab- above middle somewhere yeah. there. Yeah. And, and, but my point is if, if you want to have a chance to be elite, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't either. And if you go to 10 conference games, don't schedule an extra power five game. Or if you stay at nine, schedule someone different. And I didn't say that two years ago. And I was actually advocating a couple of years ago. Hey, Iowa State, if they can maintain this, I'd have no problem with them. Being I mean, the Big if, 10, they, they if the, the Big Ten goes to 10 schedule. conference games, and you're, then you're right. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense for Iowa because they you can't ask you can't ask them to play 11 power no. conference games a year. You, you just can't do that. And that's and that's the reason why Iowa State doesn't schedule any interesting power five teams in the non-conference because yeah. they're kind of hamstrung. You can't we we're not going to that's not fair to ask our team to play 11 power five games in a year. Um or, or nine, whatever, or 10, sorry, 10. Um, it's not really fair to ask anybody to do that. So, you know, but as, as right now, assuming the Big Ten doesn't go to 10 conference games, um, which I guess they might, but, um, and if they do, then we'll cross the bridge and we get there. But as long as the situation remains how it is, I don't think it makes any sense to get rid of because right now it's just, there's too much benefit for the state Exactly. Hair, hair trigger is exactly right. There's too much wrapped up in, the, in it for the state. It benefits the state way too much. And it benefits both universities from an exposure standpoint. And just there's too much benefit to drop the game. But uh, like I said, the change things can change. If in, a, in if in five years we got an expanded playoff, the pack's dead, and we've and ACC is getting ready to die. And all we've got left is the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big Twelve. Then maybe we maybe it goes away because we have to we have to schedule so many conference games, and that's just what it is. I mean, and that would be disappointing when that happens because it's just a it's a long it's a rivalry that's been around for a long time, um, and that would be disappointing because in-state rivalries are what make college football great. They are they are. I mean, there's in-state or in-conference rivals. Historic rivalries are part of what make college football great, and losing an in-state rivalry would suck. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of parts of the of this new version of college football that aren't that aren't fun. Big USC and UCLA being in the Big Ten is not fun. That's not what college football is about. Same with Oregon and Washington. That's not that's not fun at all. And you know, and now Stanford and Cal being in the ACC is insane. That's I, that's complete crazy town to me. I don't like I get like I get why they're doing it. I get why both both parties are sure. doing that because they're trying to keep each other alive. Totally get it. That's not what college football is supposed to be. And you know, as much as I'm happy that the Big 12 has solidified itself as the third best conference from here on out, you know, 
it still sucks that we had to kind of tear apart the big, the Pac-12 to do it. I mean, to be clear, the Pac-12, the Big 12 did not tear apart the Pac-12. Yes. But they were, you know, we had to we had to deliver the final blow basically. Um and it sucks that that had to happen cuz Oregon State and Washington State are going to get left behind now. They're going to be Mountain West teams and that that sucks for them. Um cuz they, you know, Wazoo and and Oregon State have both produced great players and great teams that have been really interesting for college football and they've they're part of the tapestry that makes it fun. Um so getting rid of the getting rid of Cyhawk to me is a step in the wrong direction. Um, if if you're trying to Im- maintain college football being fun. Well said. Levi Stevenson, wide right natty light. Get on over there. Check out uh for most of you the enemy. <laughs> Check them out this week and uh what they've got to offer. Uh Levi, it's always a great conversation. Always appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. I always like I always enjoy coming on. Corey and I butt has, but it's still fun. Absolutely. It's a, this is like the, the, the banter that Corey and I have is the fun part of it. There's some really toxic stuff online that's really annoying. This is, this is the fun part of the, the rivalry where we can just talk about completely biased opinions that make no sense yes. outside of context and <laughs> just, just throw them at each other and see what sticks. <laughs> I, by the way, have completely lost track of time and neither one of you will care or find any remorse that I'm missing a Nebraska show that needs to start up here. Uh-oh. To be fair, they just got internet recently. Just they're still trying to log on. That dial-up is still singing away on the other end of that phone okay. line. So I, yeah. I'm safe. Okay. <laughs> they they uh, they played Thursday. Okay. So you, you haven't got a chance to talk with ah. with Greg about Thursday. So that'll be no. fun. That's one thing that Iowa State and Iowa and you and Iowa fans can unite on is that. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Well, thanks, Levi. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Have thanks for one. having me. Uh, we got a super sticker there. We appreciate it. Eyes drop them off. And uh, earlier, this was uh, Stephen Light. Here's a donation because I enjoy fratricide. There it is. Corey, thank you. This is always a fun episode. Yep. And uh, we get another edition of Cy Hawk, whether you want it or not, on Saturday. And I, uh, I am going to be nervous as I as I always am for that game. It's just it's the most for me. It's it is the most nerve-wracking game of the season for an Iowa fan at least from my perspective but I'm confident in that game and I think Iowa fans will be encouraged um, by the performance Saturday doesn't mean they'll be great on the ground but I think they'll be better than they were this past week check out from the Hawkeye of the Storm everyone we'll be back here next Tuesday of course at 4:30 central and be here after the ball game on Saturday should be about 9 30 eastern about 8 30 central something in that range all right Corey Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.